Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. The intro song, Fishing for Pets, is written and composed by Alan Goldscher from his latest release, Live at the Lakeview Lounge. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. Thanks for joining the podcast. Our guest today is Kamel Belkadi, the co-founder and CEO of Landex. Landex is a fractional investment platform for farmland in Europe. Kamel and I are going to talk about the offerings on Landex, the challenges of investing in land across Europe, the current economic macro space, and why he believes in farmland as an alternative investment. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kamel. Okay, so uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us today, Kamel. We're really excited to learn uh, more about Landex and to really just learn a little bit more about farmland and investing. And I think you have a very unique point of view being based out of out of Europe. Yeah, first of all, I'd like to thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak in ALTS. I mean, I'm following ALTS since like months and I'm really impressed with what you are doing. And yes, so I'm Kamel, I'm the CEO of Landex. So Landex is European startup. It was founded last year and we are doing land investment. Uh, so Landex basically it's investment marketplace. Absolutely. The big question I have for you is what is your thesis? Or what was uh, your idea and, or opportunities that you saw behind investing in farmland when you were looking at different opportunities? So basically, we picked uh, land investment because, especially farmland, because farmland have its finite supply, its growing demand, it's like have low volatility, it have also great to return. Interesting part is uh, it's uncorrelated with the stock market and it's also great inflation hedge. All of these reasons make us pick farmland. So you mentioned that you also invest in, in land in general. You're not just farmland. Yeah, at the beginning, when we found Atlantics, it was farmland, forest land, and biodiversity land. But then we found that farmland is the best asset for our investors. Also, we see that our investors are mostly interested in farmland instead of biodiversity land, and forest land. So now only focus is farmland. Okay, got it. What is a, Because what you are doing is also different now. There have been companies that have offered farmland but it was mostly to big investors mm-hmm. and the institutions. So what you've done is you've basically started, what I, from what I understand, the first retail-based investment platform for farmland. Do you have a personal connection to that? Is that something that you tried to get into and it wasn't available and so you wanted to see if you could create your own thing? So actually, uh, the reason why we picked retail investors at the beginning, because Retail investors, at least in EU, there is over 300 million retail investors that we can target. And it's not easy to get institutional investor as a startup. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's really not easy. So we said we start with retail investors, then we build the trust. Uh, so, I mean, then institutional investors can see, okay, this startup have a lot of retail investors. It's growing, things moving. Okay, then we can get easily institutional investors. But also idea, anyone can invest in stocks, can invest in crypto. Then we said, why you cannot invest in farmland? You know, if you need to invest in farmland, first thing, at least in Europe, you need to have at least 5,100 euros. So land management firm will pick you up. You need to manage land yourself. You need to have knowledge. You need to have experience, which which is not available, I would say, for 99% of retail investors. Well, so in order for you traditionally to invest in farmland, you actually had to buy the land yourself. Yeah. Traditionally, you need to have experience. You need to have money. 
or you need if you don't have experience and you have money, you need to you need land management firm pick you up, which is so uh, so hard because you need to have a lot of money, at least five hundred thousand euro to pick you up. I kind of want to take it back to like your connection to it because you mentioned before that the the farmland has low volatility, it's uncorrelated to the stock market. How did you get introduced to that though? Like, how do you fall upon farmland? Because to me, unless maybe I don't know, you come from a farming family, or unless you maybe worked in that industry for a while, it's not the obvious choice. Not really. I mean, the show is it's like long story. I, I met with one of uh, one of current Landex advisors. He founded a lot of P2P lending uh, companies before. So he said, look, what's missing in the market now? It's farm, it's land investment. So from that came a uh, land investment idea. So we checked if there's any competitors in Europe. We found no one did it before. We found only some US companies like Acretrade, the farm together did that. So we said, we said, why not? Why not doing the same thing in Europe and providing people with land investment? investment? Got it. So let's talk about farmland. Let's focus on farmland for the sake of the, the discussion. How do you go about making your investments? How do you go about uh, choosing uh, what land to buy and to, to offer to uh, potential investors? So first thing, we have our land committer in Landex. I mean, we are not buying any random land. We select land carefully. So first thing, we see the land location. Uh, we see, uh, at least in, in Estonia, what we have, we have Mamet. It's it's government website. It shows land prices in these regions. So we make forecast. For example, if we see in this region, the price is going up and in the future, it will keep going up. That's uh, that's a good sign. We see what's near this farmland, if there is a river, if there is anything like will make this farmland more valuable. What's the land being producing in the last couple of years? Because that will affect the soil quality. Yeah, I think this is the main uh, reasons how this is the main criteria to pick and select farmland. Where are you buying farmland in Europe? Are you buying all over Europe? Currently, we are based only in Estonia at the moment, but we are willing to expand as soon as possible to other European countries. You know, European Union have 26 countries, and, and this 26 country, each one of them have different different laws when it comes to acquiring uh, farmland. It's not that easy to penetrate other EU markets. We need to, I mean, some some countries, you cannot even buy farmland as foreigner company. Others, you need some requirements, so it, it really depends. Look, the farmland topic is so sensitive topic because farmland is some sort of security for countries to provide food to their uh, to the nation. I mean, for example, if you go to Poland uh, or, or Romania, as foreigner company, it's basically near impossible to buy uh, farmland. But in the Baltics, it's possible. In Spain, it's possible. Portugal, it's possible. While in France and Germany, it's possible, but it takes too much time. It, I mean, in Estonia, in one week, you can acquire the land, while in Germany, it takes up to six months. Wow. You hear a lot about um, mostly like Italian villas. Uh, you know, you hear about Italian play, uh, small uh, towns that are selling their homes for like a dollar. Yeah, not not homes. It's castles. I mean, the, uh, the problem government is in this castle because maintaining them costs a lot of money. So yeah. they would just want to get rid of them. Yeah, for sure. So you're, you're Estonia based and you say you do your due diligence. I mean, you do your research. You're picking out, you know, see if there has a river nearby. You know, if, if the, the property value is going to go up. Could you discuss some of the purchases that you've made, some of the offerings that you've had, and are you offering farms that are already producing crops, or are you developing the farms from scratch? Uh, so currently we cannot, uh, we don't have enough resources to develop the farm from scratch. So what we are doing, we are just acquiring land that, that that's rented by a farmer. Okay, so we don't, we don't develop it. So we rent it to farmer because we are not at the, we are not big enough to manage the land ourselves. So we have land management firm that's our partner that will manage it for us and rent to farmer, etc. I mean, we acquired at this uh, at this date, we have 11 different land. 
at the beginning it was mix mixture of forest land biodiversity land farmland now the last five lands were only uh, farmland they're in different area of uh, estonia in very good location and usually the price per hectare it's around three thousand four thousand euro to make it clear so right now you're buying land in Estonia, but anybody in the EU can invest in Landex. Yes, anyone from you can invest EU and including Switzerland and UK. How are the are the, the payouts? I mean, are they yearly, quarterly payouts based on the on the crops that are sold, and then and then over time the land appreciates? Yeah. So currently the way it works, uh, we acquire the land, we rent it to farmer. So the, the, this rent to the farmer we make cash yield about three percent a year. We pay our users this cash yield each year. We were founded in September last year, and in this February we paid our first cash yield. Uh, so other way for users to make money is through secondary market. So you can you can liquidate your investment through our secondary market. And the third thing, after one year or two years, uh, we list this land to the market with much higher price than the, the one we bought with. So let's say land price appreciation is 10, 15%. Then after one year, two years, it really depends. It's different from situation to another. We list it again in the market and then we will definitely have some interested buyers. And like that, uh, investors will make money. Yeah, absolutely. What are the uh, regulations in Estonia as far as the land? I'm always interested in kind of how Europe might be different from the United States. I'm not saying that maybe you, you don't totally are aware of how the United States is, but you always hear here how things are done differently in Europe in terms of, you know, chemicals, uh, you know, fertilizers, you know, what what can be used. Is organic farming a big thing in, in, in Estonia or, in, you know, in Europe? Uh, it's not yet. It's not in this region in Estonia. I think in Netherlands, it's a big thing. Organic farming there, it's uh, it's big thing, but not in Estonia currently. So the system, like, to acquire land, say, in Estonia, there is a lot of criteria. As a person, you cannot acquire more than 10 hectares of farmland. As a company, you cannot, also, you cannot acquire more than 10 hectares as normal company. So there is some criteria for this company. You need to be three years old company. You need to have uh, some capital, uh, minimum amount of capital. You need to be company that dedicates only for agriculture use. So the way we saw, I mean, since Landex is a new company, what we did, we acquired the company that have this criteria so we can buy farmland. Otherwise, we'd be limited with only 10 hectares. Gotcha. It's, it sounds like part of your job is you're very busy uh, working around rules and regulations and laws, right? Yes. Well, in Estonia, yes. I mean, th there is two different aspects for Landex. The first aspect is the land itself, how we acquire land. And the second aspect is it's as an investment platform, as a fintech product, we have also other regulations. So there is this crowdfunding license, European crowdfunding license that we're applying for. So this is a new law. It was introduced in November 2021. Every crowdfunding platform needs to apply for this license. So it's more regulated. So the farming right now in Estonia is just done like it would be anywhere else you know can you talk a little bit about something called the regenerative farming at all the regenerative farming i mean it's a type of farming that regenerates the soil i mean for example herds help uh, help regenerate, regenerate their land the animals by standing on it it also helps the air penetrate in the earth which improves the health of uh, the soil i mean uh, also there is the, the manure also helps regenerate the soil this is one of the techniques that farmers can use to avoid soil depletion but there is other techniques i mean i'm not a farmer so i don't have big uh, big agriculture background you can also use crop rotation like each year you change your crop is that something that you find yourself 
you know, focusing on or right now you're more? No, right now we just acquired land. We have our land management firm that they have over 40 years of experience in managing farmland. We hand it to them, they take care of it. I mean, definitely our Landex team is just young people. Definitely we don't have that experience with farmland. So to solve this problem, we partnered with one of the biggest land management firms in Estonia. So they do this for us. Gotcha. So what does it feel like when you, you said you talked to your advisor? What does it feel like here where you are providing like a different platform, right? What's the reaction been to your investment platform in terms of like being able to offer farmland? Is that something that the fractional market is, is mature right now, maturing in Europe? Or are you really kind of at the forefront of it? Yeah, actually, I think it's quite mature because in the last 10 years, the P2P platform, the investment platform uh, was, uh, the number of these platforms was going up year after year. I think there is now over 1,000 investment platforms in the European Union, some of them in loan, other, others in cars, in real estate, in different, uh, you can invest in different things. But So uh, retail investors are prepared to this, so they use it to, um, uh, they're using to P2P investment. I mean, I think you you have like all kinds of investments. You can even invest in watches. There is Convi, this German startup. You can invest in a luxury watch. Okay. So it's similar thing. Said We said, okay, why not in land? Since you can invest in loan, you can invest in watches, you can invest in invoices, like company invoices, you lend them money. You can invest in personal loan. In Europe, people can invest uh if you want to take loan you can get this loan from people investing in that loan okay so we said we're not doing this for land we found people retail investors are ready for this kind of investment absolutely let's talk a little bit about the potential obstacles or threats right to farmland as it is in in, in europe how big is it to be aware of like say like uh, climate change water supply and how does that affect your business model if at all so first thing, the land investment is one of the most safest assets in, uh, I think, in the world. This is my personal opinion. You know, I personally, I think what can affect affect the land, uh, farmland value, it's war or natural disaster. So, you know, even natural disaster cannot affect the farmland. I think it's only war because let's say there is fire in this land this year. Next year, you can plant, you can have some uh, some crops going uh, going up in that land. Also, climate change, it's not affecting Northern European. Actually, it's its the benefit of North uh, Europe because here it's very cold. It's snowing most of the time. So if the climate is warmer, then farmland would be much better. But in Southern Europe, Europe like Italy, Spain, that might be a problem because then you don't have uh, rain. Sometimes fire go on because there is no humidity. But in Northern Europe, uh, where Landex is, Climate change is have positive impact on us. Interesting. How about like you had a post recently about wheat? The price of wheat just skyrocketed a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of it was due to the the supply chain. Can you talk about that? Because I thought that that was a very interesting article. Yeah, actually, the wheat prices now it's very unstable, given the conflict that's happening in between Ukraine and Russia. I mean, everyone is fighting now to get more wheat. Since Ukraine and Russia, I think they are exporting over fifteen percent of uh, world consumption of the wheat. I mean, we must be careful that doesn't create bubble. Uh, otherwise, wheat price will keep going up and up and up, and everyone will will keep buying it at high prices. Then uh, the price. No, actually, no one can predict what will happen. It it's it's it really depends on what will happen on Ukraine. But what I can say, it's very unstable, and this has affected farmland prices a lot. At least in Estonia, farmland prices gone up a lot lately, because this farmland is producing food, and food prices gone up. So. 
there is correlation between food price and farmland. When the food price go up because of inflation, then the land price will go up also. You know, I'm not. An, I'm. I'm by no means an economist. I kind of tend to view inflation maybe as maybe a, a lower, um, not a, a short-term thing to deal with. And maybe it's because I haven't really experienced uh, true, true inflation in my lifetime until now, I guess. When we're talking about the appreciation of farmland, are we talking about a long-term increase in farmland because of inflation? Or is that more of a kind of a reaction to kind of hedge against it? Well, in normal times, we're speaking about long-term protection from inflation. But given the current situation, what's happening in Ukraine, I mean, the long-term inflation protection that comes from land investment, it will be there. But given the current situation, land prices are going up a lot because of what's happening. Otherwise, land prices will keep going on up and up after a year. I mean, did you ever see land prices going down? This will never happen. It's all the time going up, you know, because uh, it's not money to print it. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, as I said, it's finite supply, it's growing demand. It's also another aspect. It's hard to switch normal land to farmland, at least in Europe. In Europe, in Europe, there is a lot of residential land, forest land, and farmland. If you want to move, let's say you have forest land, you want to switch it to uh, farmland, that's very hard. In Europe, it's really hard. Uh, also, to move residential land to farmland, it's also really hard. It's a complicated process, takes time. So uh, I think for long term, farmland is against inflation, but... For short term, at this time, given the current situation, honestly, no one can predict what will happen now. You know, I don't, I don't want to get too deep, and maybe this will be kind of my last question about the topic. And we, we talked about the, what's happening in Ukraine. In the news, you see kind of uh, shelves in, in Russia, for example, bare shelves, people kind of panic buying. I saw some stores were like uh, trying to prevent people from stealing the food because, you know, they're, they're afraid of shortages. How like much of a reality is that right now? Because you mentioned it, the the war in Ukraine. How much is that really a reality in terms of food insecurity in Europe? Well, in Europe, food prices have gone up a lot. And this is something myself I can see when I go to the market. Food prices at all level goes up. Even in restaurants, if you want to buy anything from restaurants, all restaurants have uh, they have higher prices. So it's affecting the prices in uh, in Europe, in all Europe. And adding the, adding that the oil crisis that's happening now, so transportation got more expensive than also that will make food prices will be higher. So all that makes for a pretty compelling argument for farmland, you know, as a safe investment. Yes, farmland, whatever happens in the world, we need farmland. I mean, if something bad happens today, you don't need your crypto, you don't need your uh, stocks investment, but you still need food. And this food will come from farmland. Come on, I just kind of want to dive in just real quick into your investment platform in terms of what the minimum investments are and if you also take on institutional investors. So basically anyone from European Union can invest, including UK and Switzerland. Even EU citizen or resident uh, can invest. Minimum investment amount is 10 euros. And yes, institutional investors can invest in Landex. And they can invest in as many uh, of the offerings that you have as well. Yeah, you can invest as much as you can. We have minimum, which is 10 euro, but we have no maximum. Last question, I guess, Kamal, and I thank you for, for, for joining me today and just talking about farmland and, and the perspective that you have from, from Estonia. What are the next steps for you? You know, if you can give us a little glimpse, I know that you mentioned going out of Estonia, possibly. Where do you see Landex going in the next year or two? Uh, and how would that impact investors? 
Uh, so I see Landex in the next couple of years. We are acquiring more farmland. We have more experience uh, into acquiring farmland. We might also introduce the CO2 capture. So now there is this CO2 uh, topic. Uh, we might start issuing certificate for big companies. For example, if you see Lufthansa, which is German airline, they they're issue, they're, uh, they have a lot of CO2 emission every year. They're facing a lot of fines from the government. In order to uh, to not pay these fines, what they can do, they can buy CO2 certificate. And this CO2 certificate, it's coming from land because land typically will absorb the CO2, then it will make less CO2. So that's one aspect of Landex. We'd like to expand to other European countries. Yeah, so this is like the big picture of next couple of years. Could you talk a little bit more about that that uh, that CO2 uh, certificates? So if you have land, this land have trees, so these trees are absorbing CO2. Uh, so Lufthansa, in order for Lufthansa to, to not pay huge fines for making uh, CO2 emission, they can buy certificate, land certificate. Uh, it's not regulated yet in Europe. So when you buy this certificate, you show to the government, okay, we are contributing in uh, in protecting nature, etc., in, into absorbing the CO2. So they they will they will pay money for getting this certificate and this money it's it's coming from that land it's like passive incomes and if investors are investing in this land that have trees then they are making some passive incomes then we will pay them this CO two certificate incomes. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. It's almost like a security, like a a subsidy almost. It's still a new topic in Europe. It's not developed yet. There is no regulations for this yet. But you are considering this. I mean, we are we are keeping our, our eyes on this topic also. Kamal, we do have an international audience. What is the best place to learn uh, about Landex? Obviously, your website. But how can they connect with you as well? I mean, through my email, it's kamal at landex.ai. Or they just go to our website. We have chat support through LinkedIn. We have a lot of other. I mean, you can connect me anywhere. LinkedIn, our website, our emails. You can even download our, our app. We have our chat center. You can chat with us. Perfect. I'll make sure to uh, put a link in our in our podcast to your LinkedIn profile as well. Well, Kamal, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck, and you know, I hope to stay in touch. Yeah, sure. Thanks. Thanks so much. Kamal really makes his point about farmland investing and its foundational importance, especially in uncertain times. I also appreciate the challenges he shared in buying farmland across Europe where foreigners are forbidden from buying land in another country. Certainly a big difference from the United States. I hope that Landex continues growing from its home base in Estonia to offer its investments across the European continent and beyond. I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining me on the podcast. If you enjoy listening to our guests, feel free to let others know or leave a review or a comment. Hopefully a good one. Until the next episode, take care.